Hello, I'm Kristen McDonald, and thanks so much for tuning in. My guest today is someone who has truly reinvented herself and her career. Melinda Kelly is the author of Finding Your Coach, Diving Deep Within. With a successful career in Melinda's family business, it would have been simple to just ride into the sunset. However, a combination of major lightquakes, as I call them, changed the course of Melinda's plans. Suddenly, she had many questions and, and about her goals and her purpose in life. And as a part of her journey, Melinda worked with numerous thought leaders and coaches. She also spent a huge amount of time volunteering. And all of these experiences and the questions she asked herself led to her latest book, Finding Your Coach, Diving Deep Within. Welcome, Melinda. I'm so excited to talk to you and have you on the show today. Well, thank you so very much. I'm just delighted to be here. Well, it's a mutual admiration club. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's something in my throat. So so tell us about what led you to write this book and a little bit about your family business prior to writing the book and what you're doing now. Well, you know, like all of us, we think our journey is very simple, and then we start telling people, and they go, oh, it's, that's nice, that's interesting. I had ended up in the family um, publishing business, privately held, my father had um, really been an innovator in the technical area of hospital, surgical, medical expense billing and other areas, industrial emergency medicine, very dry, very boring, but very necessary. And it was the family business. And I went into it. And, you know, the joy of a family business is you get to work with family. And the crazy part of a family business is you get to work with family. <laughs> and so I'm happy to say I had the best of both. And a lot of skills I can look back and be very thankful. I learned to start working with computers in the 80s, uh, something that a lot of women didn't have that luxury or ability. I you were early. Lot very early and very fortunate and didn't didn't realize it at the time. In hindsight, I'm now sort of astonished. And um, I also can completely respect and understand how generationally not only women, but so many people have been terrified of the computer because back then one mistake and everything was gone. Oh, so, so true. The machine... It gave, but it also could take so quickly we were all terrified. I mean, it really was a little terror in the corner. Mm -hmm. And I am very thankful because in some ways I learned that there were very few mistakes you couldn't come back from. And, yes, there were pages that got wiped out and pages that got recreated that nobody ever knew, but it gave a sense of you can always get it fixed. And we, I'm happy to say, I think we're very cutting edge. We went into online subscription services, did a lot of things ahead of the curve that as time came along, we were suddenly no longer unique. Everyone had caught up with us. Mm -hmm. And that's a very different thing because now with changes in technology and changes in the industry and changes in how everything was being done, I just sort of look at the business and go, 
what do I want to do? I've done this my entire life. It's effortless. I know it. But is it continuing to satisfy me? Is it making me happy? Do I have the energy or the desire to recreate it? So is this like a midlife thing that you just, you know, decided you weren't happy and you wanted to go into something more creative or something different? Well, and thank you for asking me that. I had, I, I love your phrase, life quakes. You know, that is, thank you. I actually had the author, I can't uh, coin it myself, I had the author of Life, life Quakes, uh, I forgot the, the rest of the name of her book, I've had so many people on the show, but she's really wonderful, and it is a book called Life Quakes. And well, I, I just loved her phrase, because well, we all go through a, them. It's a brilliant phrase, and we all do. I was looking at my father had passed, and I had taken over the business. Mm-hmm. I was looking at a long-standing relationship alter significantly, and I was dealing with a family health situation. All at once. All at once. And by way of thinking or how I was raised, the first priority is family. And of course, with relationships, finding finding the place where we can all be good with it. And work comes and go, but the people are always the priority. So as I started looking at this, I needed more flexibility. I needed a lot of things to deal with the one thing. And with the relationship, that went to a lovely place, so I'm happy to say that's nicely resolved but looking at work suddenly I'd like to say it was a midlife crisis and I now believe midlife crisis heart starts at 70 uh, so well no I was going to say actually as a compliment it starts sometimes at 30 or 40 I mean I, I even earlier that people people say to themselves uh, you know wow this maybe isn't what I want to do in life you know, I've I've gone to med school, and yet I just I just had dinner with a gal the other night, and she had gone to pre med school, and then woken up one day and said, I can't stand the sight of blood, and I think my skills really lie in communications and marketing and and publicity, and that's exactly what she's done, and she's been a powerhouse, and she's only forty, so I you know for me, you know my own second vision, when I speak to people and the way I think about it is that we reinvent ourselves constantly throughout life. And you're lucky, actually, if you find out early that maybe you're on the wrong path, you know? Because we have choices to continue to to reinvent ourselves, and people are not retiring early anymore. Well, and, and I so agree with that, and I think it's wonderful that people are reinventing themselves not once, not twice, but several times, mm-hmm. and having many fulfilling experiences within Multiple. their lives. And I have two very dear friends that are attorneys. I mean, that's the brass ring of success. And both had to look at it and go, this isn't making me happy. One completely reinvented her career and went into education, and the other went into a lateral move. But it gave her her life back. And I give her such credit. That is so brave to do that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes we do it from necessity, sometimes we do it out of desire, but anyone, I like to think... And sometimes we do it through because of adversity. 
yeah, many times, true. you know, and, and, the, and then you find the silver lining in the adversity. At least that's been my uh, experience and many people that I've spoken to. And to look at you with the losses that you suffered and the, the illness and, and, and things going on in your family, and you turned it around. Well, and thank you so very much. And very true, you can do it gracefully, joyfully, and embrace it, or you can go kicking and screaming. Or you can, can we, stay under the covers. <laughs> well, given given the weather sometimes. <laughs> no, that's right. That's, that's right. That's only a temporary moment. Right. Um, so for me, it... I, so you started volunteering. I was fortunate because working in a family business, you have your family, and you look for additional people to enjoy. And what I found is you start in one group and you have so much fun saving the world. And my family has a lifelong history with Children's Hospital Los Angeles. And you meet these wonderful people and you see the magic being done. And it makes you want to do more and be part of more. And then I was involved in other organizations. And as I say, we're having so much fun saving the world and making all these wonderful friends, you get involved in another and another and another. Mm-hmm. And then from college, I was very fortunate to be involved in a fraternal organization. And what I loved about that is the mentoring of young women as they are going through college, some first generation, some juggling work and school and everything else, and to helping their dreams become reality. And that sort of recharging of yourself all the same time you're learning so much. That's terrific. And so, you know, I, I love what you said about volunteering because in my life that has been one of the key elements to my healing, uh, to my joy, to my finding a different purpose, uh, you know, in, in so many different respects from the the talks that I've given to the radio to all sorts of different things and it's really helped me evolve into to who I am and and the things that I uh, speak about and that seems to be the case here with you that you learn so much or you gain so much what, what did Wayne Dyer used to say that volunteering is, is somewhat of a selfish practice because you get the endorphin kick yourself you know when you give back oh and I love true. that yeah I never forgot that he was such a wonderful guy I used to listen to him all the time but so you throughout all this, it seems that you asked yourself questions, and it helped you to to find uh, you know find the way to write this book. Well, and so many volunteer organizations truly believe in training the volunteer, and I was very fortunate that to, I was in leadership in several of the organizations, and so we experienced like the Berkman test, which I reference. You know, what and is the Berkman test? That is this, I believe it's Robert Berkman, and he came up with four color quadrants that define personalities, whether we're very verbal, we're very written, whether we're very analytical and mathematical. Oh, yes, or, I've heard of that, right. And so it's, like the uh, Myers-Briggs, the others, it's a nice way to take a look at the traits that you have and compartmentalize them. 
Mm-hmm. So in working in a board experience, I'm obviously a blue-green person. I like to write and I like to talk, which means anytime I worked with the treasurer, who was very red in numbers, I made her crazy. Of course. But understanding that she approached everything so very differently than I did mm-hmm. meant that I could work with her and not make her frustrated. And we ended up having a very nice friendship because we understood where we were coming from. And so if I got long-winded and saw her eyes glaze over, it wasn't that she wasn't interested. It's just that's not how she hears. It's what makes and the world go, go round. Exactly. And, you know, we are so fortunate that people in business use Myers-Briggs as a shorthand. You know, are you with this? Are you with that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And things that were at one point revolutionary are now sort of just everybody knows who they are and what they are. Mm-hmm. And we don't realize Well, how... and you can't always pigeonhole a person. Oh, No. I love there a phrase recently that I heard was the ambivert, which I think is a very true phrase. Mm-hmm. We talk about extroverts, and we all know those are the hail fellow well met. And we talk about the introverts, mm-hmm. and we know they're the people at home with a book. But the ambivert is someone who is both, and I really feel that's most of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can be I can be in a situation where I'm quite extroverted because. I know everybody in the room, so of course I'm, I'm outgoing. But if this is my first time in a large room, I may be a little bit more reserved to understand what are the dynamics so that I can meet people as they are, not as I think they are. Definitely. And, you know, we all have um, multiple talents. I mean, I just had um, a meeting with a gal who's doing her Ph.D. in physics, and yet she's a jewelry designer. Who would have ever thought, you know? Oh, so, that sounds like a fun hobby. Yes, yes, she makes beautiful jewelry. So so tell us about the book, Finding Your Coach. I mean, it's interesting that you've focused on something to help other people find their mentors rather than becoming a mentor yourself. Is that what Finding Your Coach is all about? Very much so. As I say, I... I stubbed my toe a few times, and I would really rather no one stubs their toe. And as I was going on my search, and I was fortunate to meet a lot of people, was referred to a lot of people, and I truly believe that each person in a coaching capacity is really there 100% to help you get your dreams and achieve what you want. The catch is, I feel knowing what it is you really want and understanding how you work with people. And no matter who you work with, you're going to get something. But wouldn't it be much nicer if you got what you want rather than something that you just happen to discover? Spinning your wheels in the wrong, wrong department or wrong place. And as I went worked with one person who was fabulous and learned a lot of things. And then through people, you meet other people, and then you work with them for a little bit, or they they have a specialty, and you start to follow them. And then I was at an event and was chatting with a woman I'd seen previously, and she made the remark, 
oh, well, I'll see you at the next retreat. And it suddenly struck me, I could have fabulous life of just going from retreat to retreat to retreat and never getting anything done. I remember when you said that because I, I think I shared with you that I went to quite a few of those seminars for a number of years, and they and they pump you up, and they're wonderful. And suddenly you kind of feel like you're one of them, <laughs> like the Jack Canfield standing on the stage, and, and everybody is so empowered. But you're right. You can go home after those three, four-day seminars. You're exhausted, and then you put the books away and the concepts, and you say, oh, boy, wow, that was cool. You know, I'm a part of it. But are you really a part of it if you're not living it? You have to walk it, the walk. Exactly, and you need to know if that's the walk you want to walk. Yes, yes. It's almost as if we're going into um, a department store and trying on a million exquisite dresses and everything from a simple sundress to an elaborate evening gown. But which is the one? They may all fit us, but which is the one we really want to wear? Well, and quantity, as you're saying, because in those seminars or in, in a Bloomingdale's, there's so much to try on that you come away sometimes a little dizzy, that you, you almost you know lose your attention in some areas because there's so much information is being thrown at you, and some of it grabs you, some of it doesn't. Sometimes you're tired after the three, four days, and then you say, oh, my goodness, well, what am I going to do with this? And so you, there's not as much focus you know, in those large settings. Or is it someone else's vision for you? Yes, yes, that, yes. And I and I find they. I want everybody to have everything. I just want it to be your everything. And sometimes at the end of those, they're offering you a possibility that's real, but it may not be a possibility that feels congruent with your life. Mm-hmm. So that's so, what you would do with someone. Give us an example. If I came to you or someone came to you and said, wow, I'm, I'm on this path, but I'm not sure if it's right for me, or I'm a little lost, or these are the things I like to do, what would you do with them? And what, what, what kind of things can they gain in the book when they, you know, why would they buy your book? Well, I have, I found out I'm madly in love with questions. And so I have quite a few questions for you to ask yourself. Because it doesn't matter what the answer is. The only person that counts is you. And so one of the things that I ask is when you go and you're in any relationship, because if you're doing it personally, you're probably doing it professionally as well, do you seek parental approval? Because at some point we all do. And you can fill in parental for boss or what have you. But when we're working with someone, we want to be happy, but we also often want to make them happy. But if we don't understand how much we need an approval, we can get lost in their sunshine. We can, instead of saying, well, no, I, I really just wanted to write a book, and they say, well, you could, you could write a book and you could go on tour and you could do a TV show and you could these are all real possibilities but are they the possibilities you want or are they possibilities they're offering as exploration for you and if you don't know what you want 
it's very easy to get lost in someone else's idea. So, so true. One so questions things. are a big part of your your formula. Very big part of it. And, you know, I often think when we're little kids, we've got a million questions. The world is shiny and bright and new, and, and everything is exciting and new. And as we get older and go to school, we start being told, you know, don't ask questions or I'll get to that later. And as we get, say, to high school, we don't want to ask a dumb question because we want to be cool. And then as we get further along and start our first work, we don't want to ask too many questions because what if they think I don't know what to do? And so little by little, we stop questioning we're reticent to do it because, well, what if they think I'm, I'm dumb or what if that isn't, you know, a very smart question or what if somebody answered it? But we have questions floating within us all the time. And I really believe that there is great comfort and a great sense of satisfaction when we sit down and ask ourselves those questions. Now, do you think success and happiness are, are the same? No, I don't. I think that success is a wonderful accomplishment, but we need to also look at all the different levels of success. There's tangible success, where, yes, you've got a million dollars in your checking account. Nobody can argue that that's not a financial success. Of course, the question then is, but do you owe a million point two? in which case you would not be a financial success. Right. Or are, what about a collective success? If you're part of a, a report for your work and each department is adding a contribution, when it's done, it is your collective success of a report of your work. Or anyone who has ever sung, there's a moment when everything is perfect and the sound is magical, and that's your collaborative success. Well, and many people can reach the pinnacle of success in their career and their lifestyle and even their marriage, kids, and they come home, but they're still not happy. They're still not joyful inside. Like you said, you know a couple of lawyers, and suddenly they stop. And I I have, uh, interestingly enough, I've heard this myself from a few people that I know who are attorneys, and they just aren't happy in their life. That maybe they wanted to to take up music on the side or something that makes them joyful. You know. You also mentioned about your hobbies. What do you? What was one of the hobbies that led you to shift or to you know to finding your purpose? Well, I come from a long line of ladies who love their dirt. I love my garden, and there is nothing like a garden to make you understand patience and process and to celebrate the little things mm-hmm. and to really celebrate the big things. I have an apricot tree. I have no idea why some years I get a ton, some years I get none, but I go out and talk with it every year and every year I'm hopeful I'm going to be sharing apricots with my friends. 
Mm, it's just simple things, like a walk along the beach with a very dear friend of mine that I used to take every single week who's quite a bit older than myself, and she can't do it now. But um, but that was one of the most joyful times of my life, just to, you know, the simplest thing. doesn't cost money just to be with a friend by the ocean. You know, and, and, and you're you're talking about being one with the earth, gardening. You know, my dad used to love gardening. Oh, good man. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was a good man. So, you know, we're winding down on time, but if you oh. can tell us a little bit more about your website and, and um, give us just some core examples of some people who may, who might, you know, be interested in the book or to contact you to work with you. Well, first of all, let me say this has just flown by, and thank you so very much. Uh, you know, um, time does fly when you're having fun. <laughs> most definitely. My website is melindajkelly.com, and I welcome anyone to send a note. The premise of the book is to really sit there and ask yourself some very practical questions and some observations that came to me as I was going through this. Sometimes we are so smart knowing all the answers. And we're sitting there, I know that, I know that. And we get home, and we haven't learned a thing. Because we were so smart having all the answers, we didn't let the information in. A lot of this are things that we know, but sometimes you need someone to put the question to you. And my hope is that in a safe, non-threatening environment, you can sit there and go, gosh, yeah, I do that. You know, I used to do that. That you can take an inventory and understand that however you're working with a coach, with your colleagues, with coworkers, with fellow volunteers, am I bringing some of these traits and tendencies into the room? And I didn't realize it. Will this help me be a better worker, a better volunteer? Well, this helped me better be able to identify my dreams. And whether it's writing a short story to give your your family the story of, of us, or if it's something you want to write the great American novel, whatever it is that you know what your joy and your dream is so that you can achieve it. And that way I hope we all can have our happiness. I think that's beautiful, and I, I've been very fortunate myself to have wonderful mentors and people egging me on when I wanted to do something, you know, to go to the next level uh, in my career or to do something that I've never done before, and that's what you're talking about here. You're talking about instilling the confidence that we all have ourselves, but we need someone else sometimes to give us a little oomph and to give us that, you know, confidence to go out there. And say, you know, just as we felt when we were kids when our parents used to say, you can do anything. But as we get older, sometimes we say, oh, I don't know if we can do that, you know. So and coaches, thanks. I'm I'm a big fan of, of coaching. As am I. And, and we all need someone. I was very fortunate. I had my Aunt Sue who believed I could walk on water. And I feel that if we have someone that believes in us, sometimes we can put our fears in the coat pocket and actually go do it. Yes. And it would be nice if it was us. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, the very, very important thing, a takeaway, too, is to, in, you know, surround yourself with extremely, you know, successful, positive people. And I've found that, you know, I've just made some of the best friends, 
you know, who have, um, you know, for instance, I always mention my wonderful friend Tom Sullivan, who's been blind from birth, who went to Harvard, <laughs> never seen his kids or family, but he's had a successful career as an author, speaker. Uh, he's done just about everything, singer, composer. So that's just one example of someone who has inspired me, you know, after vision loss. And so whatever it is you're struggling with or just wanting to reinvent yourself, if you can find someone out there who can mentor you, you know, or coach you, uh, that and finding your coach, the book we're talking about. Go to Melinda's website. One more time, Melinda. MelindaJKelly.com. And you do workshops, too. Is the book going to be on Audible? The book will be on Audible. It's it's in process, and uh, I'm I'm very much looking forward to having that out shortly. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom with us today. And for those of you listening, I'm Kristen McDonald for Second Vision. Have a blessed day. Thanks for listening.